Before I begin this sermon, I want to talk about fasting and praying for those who don't have jobs. This is a serious, serious thing that we need to do. There are many that don't have jobs. There are many among us that um, don't have adequate work, that are underpaid, are jobless, or have lost their jobs, or are searching. And God wants us to be very diligent in asking him. But there's some requirements that he asks that we do before we even begin work um, praying for those things. And I'm going to bring those to your attention. And it's very interesting because God's word doesn't fool around with working and creativity. He's very direct. And growing up, sometimes I didn't like that. Hmm. I didn't like that God's word was that direct because it meant that I had to prove myself before the Lord. I had to be made accountable. And so um, creativity is something that's full of originality and expressiveness, which in the great majority of cases brings us pleasure. Doesn't creativeness bring us pleasure? When you see beauty, when you see the world, when you see these qualities we are encountered in everything God does and God makes. In Exodus 35, 31 and 32, it says, And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, with craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze. Now, I thought this scripture was very, very interesting because it's very at the start of God's word. And it says that he has filled him with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God. And when you think about that, you never think of uh, the Holy Spirit really in working. Uh, or you're like, well, I think of the Holy Spirit in church. But I want to read this verse again because I think it's so beautiful and so pertinent. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill. So that means he made him able to do it with intelligence. That means that the Lord didn't make anybody that didn't have intelligence because we're created in his image with knowledge and with craftsmanship to devise artistic designs. To, now, these are the most precious, precious pieces of, of, of metal that you can work with, gold, silver, and bronze. Now, we look at the universe. It's enormous. And all those who study are, it are fascinated by it. And I love this, what Einstein said. He said, the more he studies the universe, the more he believes in a higher power. How can we believe anything else when we see the beauty? Uh, many of us see God as rigid, as somber, that he hates when we enjoy life, that he doesn't want us to have fun, that, we, that he doesn't want us to enjoy the nature around us. But that's such a wrong perspective because, because God is so creative, and he's made us such creative beings, and he's made the world such a creative place. Um, the coverage of this planet is spectacular. The mountains, the hills, the plains, the valleys, the seas, the rivers. The monotony is something you cannot encounter in God's creation. When you get tired of the luxuriant vegetation of the tropics, you can go to the desert and see the dryness and glimpse at um, the dry life. You can enjoy day and night, the sun and the stars, the moon, and, and, and the clouds or the rainbows. How about, did anybody see the moon last night? It was, or actually two nights ago, it was, it was unbelievable. It was big and it was red. It was just, it was so beautiful that I hope you weren't driving when you saw it because you might have ran into something else. But if you can't understand the magnitude of what God creates, what a shame. This world is so beautiful that we lived in. But the most amazing thing of all of the creation is you and me, man. You see, my God is a creative God. He, he's not in a box because no two of us are alike. Even identical twins, there is something that's slightly different even in an identical twin. So not a, when we sit and we think about all this, it, it, it's mind-boggling. It's sort of like thinking that heaven is forever, that it doesn't end. That's a frightening thought. And when you think of all the major wonderful creative beings that he created. It, it, it boggles your mind, and you, and you stand in awe and wonder. 
and we take a closer look at our bodies, how the mechanisms in our bodies work, how um, the great creativity God put in the billions of cells and the sophisticated interdependent mechanisms that we use and the microscopic DNA carrying within our genetic code. Man, those are some big words. <laughs> and our God is a big God. And they're so, all so microscopic. But then God gave us creativity. He gave us soul. He gave us feelings. He gave us a conscious and the ability to interact with one another. The ability to, to be able to see, to hear. And interestingly enough, those who can't see or those who can't see, hear, experience a greater level, a heightened sense of their other senses. And so sometimes they see things that we don't even see. I know one time we were singing someplace and there was a wonderful woman who was wearing the most beautiful color. And so I went to describe it to her. And my kids are like, oh, how, Mom, she was blind. How can? I said, but you can express it in how you feel, how that color made you feel, how that, like I looked at Lisa's greens, and that, that I call them happy greens because they made me feel so good. It's of growth. It's of life. It's of creativity. And, and, and when I watched Marsha dance this morning, I was lucky enough to be right behind her. I liked that I could feel that music. I wanted to dance with her. I wanted to jump around just like a little child. Now, it wouldn't have been as nice and as pretty. But I wanted to do it, too, because I could feel what she was feeling. I love that. I could feel what Chandra was singing. I could feel it because our God is a creative God. God created us in his image. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now I'm going to give you three verses that are very spiritual because I could say to you all that I want. I don't care how much money you have. Just envision God's, you know, giving you things. There's more to it than just envisioning God giving you things. There's more to God wants us to use practical application to our lives in working and working creatively because that's what he made us to do. As Pastor Chris spoke last, and if you missed his sermon last Sunday, you missed how he made us to want to work and to do these things. So let me read you Proverbs 22.4. So this is all what I call God's secrets about spiritual, and this is all going to tie in with my verses at the end because this is all spiritual success. Proverbs 22, 4 says, Humility and fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. Humility and fear of the Lord. Now, this is very interesting because this is going to tie in with the New Testament, all of the New Testament verses I have for you. Those who remain faithful to God will receive these blessings at his appointed time. All God's people will be among those who inherit the earth. And we all know this. Matthew 5, 5, that if we do what God has asked us to do, if we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we will inherit a kingdom past now. This is not your life. This is just preparation for your life. This is just a visual to see what you're going to do for later on. And we all know that. So you're saying, well, how, what, what is, okay, I know that, I know that. Let me give you one more verse, Revelations 2.9. Even now, God's poor are considered rich in spiritual wealth and honor. Now, it says, even now, God's poor. And I do want to bring something that brings this into reality. Maybe the poor are totally leaning on God because they don't have their money to look to. Because they're not going to get immediate gratification from, oh, well, let me just buy this right now. We all make choices. We all make choices. And so you see, there's something that is wonderful when you sort of starve yourself from that. And you say, I need to look to God for everything I have. I don't need to just buy what I need. And, and I'm going to give you a, a quick example. I know growing up, my dad's church was in the projects. All my dad's brother's churches were very, very large, 5,000 to 10,000 in their congregations. They had everything they wanted. And when they would come to our house, I started slowly realizing 
that I had something they will never have. I was totally dependent on God. And they would never know what God could possibly do. And I mean do when you have nothing. They don't know what God could possibly do when you have to be very creative in limited supplies of food. I remember one time I was watching my brothers, and they said, oh, I wish we had a pizza. And I'm thinking, oh, man, we had ketchup, we had bread, and hot dogs. So I was like, OK, you know what? I'll just roll that bread out, roll it out. I, I put them all together, and it was really fresh bread, and I just rolled four pieces together. And then I thought, I'll fry it in the pan. So I fried it in the pan so it got all crispy. And then I thought, well, I'll take the ketchup, and I'll put ketchup a little over it, and a little bit of oregano. Put a little oregano, a little garlic powder, because I can't live without garlic. <laughs> little onion. And then I cut up those hot dogs boop, 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 all over the top. Put a little cheese on the top. We only had a little bit, so we really had to make it last, squeeze all out. And you know what? They still say that was the best pizza I ever had. <laughs> Put it in the oven. You know, God makes us creative when we have nothing. And you know what? I didn't have to go buy it. God, there are so many ways that God wants you to utilize what he has given you. Guess what? You're all Martha Stewart. You're not doing something that your grandmother didn't do or your great-grandmother didn't do. They did it all. They can. They cooked. They sewed. They caned. And I mean caning chairs. They reupholstered. They did their hair. Nobody, nobody went to a hairdresser. But now God has given these people that can work hair wonderful creative talents and abilities. God has given us all these things. It's whether we choose to use them or not. Whether what, what we choose to do with, with what God has given us. So, now listen to these scriptures very carefully because you're going to be really mad at me, and this is not my words. These are God's words. These are totally God's words, and they're very harsh. Proverbs 22.7 says, the rich rule over the poor. The borrower is a servant to the lender. Those who live beyond their means end up enslaved to their creditors. I don't want to owe anybody anything. I want to owe no man. Because that's what Christ saved me from. And, and when we start wanting this immediate gratification, well, so-and-so has this. Well, you know what? Maybe so-and-so is miserable in their household and in their life. Maybe so-and-so's kids are writing filthy things on the walls when they leave the house. You know, I mean, you don't know because you just see a small picture of that person. You can't get a bigger glimpse because you don't live in their house. And so we need to stop comparing ourselves to somebody else. Or uh, uh, Chandra, I wish all my life I had black hair. I have always, my mother was black-headed. Oh, how I wish I had black hair. But I would look like a total dork with black hair. And as much as I love Chandra's hair and would love to look at her, I don't know if you've seen the global outreach picture. <laughs> I would love to look like that, but I don't. And so God has made us so individually creative. I can't do what Chandra does, and I shouldn't try to do what Chandra does. I can't do what Pastor Chris does. I also wish I was very, very tall. My mother was very, very tall. My dad was very, very short because I felt empowerment if I was tall. Guess what? Your empowerment comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, not anything else, not your height, not your stature. It comes from Jesus. So let me read this next verse, Proverbs 21, 20. In the house of the wise... There are stores of choice food and oil, but the foolish man devours what he has. That means he uses it all up, and he wants more. It's like I would tell my kids, if you were on that bike, guess what? You're not getting another one. Why should I aid in a bed bad behavior? That's wrong. If you ruin that, you're not going to get another one. And so... This verse goes on to say, those who are wise and prudent will have the necessities of life, while the foolish spend all they have to acquire non-essential things for pleasure. Today, many of us foolishly use credit, which often proves for their undoing. God is pleased with those who wisely accept a lower standard of living rather than going into debt and living beyond their means. 
And so this, what this means is pay cash. Growing up, in fact, I didn't even have a credit card until Ron and I got married. I was 34, and he said, Jane, if something happens to me, you need to look like you've got good credit. Um, so he said, we'll get your credit card. We'll buy a washer and dryer on your cards and pay them right off. Pay that cash for them. So if something happens, you will look like you could have very good credit. I was like, what do I need a credit card for? Because I can remember when I was working in the Port of Miami and I would call Ron, I'd take my bag the quarters. And he'd say, call me collect. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not calling anybody collect. I'd stand there with my quarters. <laughs> call my mom and dad. With my, if, my parents said, if you, don't if you don't have the cash for it, guess what? You're not going to have it. Pay cash for it. These are such simple simple rules that God has set for us to not live past who we are and what we think we are. Um, there are so many things. I know growing up we didn't have a piano, so my dad loved, we didn't have a TV, so that wasn't a, uh, an issue, but my dad loved the newspaper. He went for five years without the newspaper just to buy, you have to make choices, just to buy a piano because he knew that God would make him accountable for what we, his family, was to do. The same as God's going to make you accountable for what he told you, tells you that he needs you to do. You will be held accountable before God. So you've got to make sure you're always, why would you want to owe someone? Why would you want to owe anyone anything? I don't want to owe anybody. I don't want to be a slave to any man. And that's what God says you are. I don't even like that word. I can remember when we got in trouble, we'd be like, okay, don't tell mom I'll be your slave for a week. That means like do dishes, uh, shake the rugs. That wasn't my chore, but I had to do that. You know, don't tell mom I, we were wrestling and then somebody got hurt. You know, that wasn't fun living like that. So guess what? Mom would come home and I'd tell her because I didn't want to be a slave for a week. <laughs> I didn't want to live like that. Another example. We have to make choices. Like in my house, most of you work during the day. But in my house, my husband works during the day. I teach school during the day. But we play a lot of places in the evenings. So we have to make choices. I don't remember the last time my kids spent the night from a Saturday to a Sunday at someone's house. We have to make choices. I don't remember. They at one point had a theory class that was on a Saturday morning. They never spent the night that whole year with anybody from a Friday to a Saturday morning. It was the only time they could because they had that 8 o'clock theory class. But let me tell you, I was paying for it, and I wasn't paying for them to fool around because God was going to hold me accountable for what they did. The same as God is going to be, hold you accountable for what you do and choose to do with your life. Now, Proverbs 21, 25 the sluggish, says, The sluggish craving will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. Proverbs 10.3 says, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but thwarts the cravings of the wicked. This proverb describes God's general provision and provision in meeting the physical needs of his people. Now, this is very important because God does allow this. It says here, Matthew 6, 11-3, This truth does not deny there will be many times we find it difficult to provide for the needs for ourselves or our families. Times of war, times of famine, or devastating economy or social conditions, all as well as periods of persecution may result in severe hardship for the righteous. Nevertheless, so you see, God's word does say there will be hard times. God's word does say, I don't know the last time we saw a movie, because I had to buy strings, so I had to make a choice. Strings for instruments, or I had to do something else. I had to pay for this because I pay for everything in cash. So he wants us to make provision, and God will never abandon his children who fully trust him. Now, these verses are very harsh. It says, Proverbs 10, 4 through 5, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers a crop in the center is a wise son, but he who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son. How shameful it is to be lazy when there's physical work to be done here. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 says, Go, you ant. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. And I don't like that term, sluggard. 
And you know what? I can't tell you how many times my parents used this verse growing up. I did not like that. I did not want to be a sluggard. It has no commander, nor overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision. Now, it's talking about this tiny little ant. When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come to you like a bandit, like an armed man. Proverbs 13, 4. The slugger craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Proverbs 24. A slugger does not plow in season, so at harvest time he looks to find nothing. Now, I'm going to tell you exactly what a slugger means. In these verses, a sluggard or lazy person is one who puts off at the beginning what he or she or should have done. Two, does not finish what has been started. And three, follows the least course of action. Slothfulness or laziness is even more tempting in the spiritual realm because when it gets easy, you don't feel like doing it. God exhorts us to make our calling and election sure with his eagerness. Now, I want to talk to you about what the New Testament has to say because even the New Testament is harsh. And this is not my words. This is God's words. And the harsh reality is that, is that people say, well, there's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament, and we're under grace in the New Testament. Yes, we're under grace, but God still asks us to be accountable, even though we're under grace. And so when I was growing up, you know, we all have dreams and aspirations. Don't we all, when you're a child? You know, I dreamed that my first name's Elizabeth, and so that Queen Elizabeth had forgotten me, and I was just born at the, you know, they were going to call and they were going to find me in Quincy, Illinois, doggone it, because I'm royalty. I'm talking about I was dreaming. <laughs> one big deal here, one big deal there. When's that Queen Elizabeth showing up? So I had dreams and aspirations, but my mom would say, well, guess what? If you're not faithful in small, how can God bless you in the big? Who I didn't like that because we went to this nursing home. And this was pre-nursing home. It was in somebody's home. It was in Francis' shelter care. Listen, this was, this was a hole. It was a hole. Nobody went there. And they called my dad and said, would you, and we were young, would you give a service here every week? So we would go to this place. You walk in, and the, the cigarette smoke was so thick and so heavy that, that we had a keyboard. And this was pre-keyboard time. This was like a keyboard that was like this. And the, the keys were all yellow with smoke stained. And, and let me tell you this. We sang. We played. We preached. And let me tell you this. We practiced two hours every week before we went for this hole in the wall. Because God, God says if you're not faithful in the small, how can he reward you in the large? He cannot. And so if you can't do those things for the Lord, something that simple and that small, and I want to tell you how the magnitude of God. One Thursday, my dad was trying to mow the lawn very, very quickly and, and get to that nursing home because he, we never missed that nursing home service, ever. And these parent, people that were there were mentally impaired, um, Alzheimer's patients would sit there, rock. One wore white gloves and they were dirty. And, and I just remember saying, oh, please, God, I, I know I wanted to hug them each before we left because nobody ever touched them. I said, please, God, I hope they're not picking their nose and just help me not get dirty. You know, and, and we would hug them like they were our mom and dad, our brother and sister, because God loved them too. So my dad was hurrying mowing the lawn, and he went to clean out underneath the lawnmower. And as he's cleaning, the lawnmower is still whipping around. He cut this finger right off, and the bone was out. And he held the finger in his hand. He came in the house. Be faithful in the small. What a lesson this taught me. My mom said, oh, we got to get to the hospital. He said, no, turn on the water. I'm going to rinse it out. 
because he didn't want to be late, because he had to be accountable to God, because God made him accountable to all these people. And God would hold him. Their blood would be on his hands. So he washed it, he put it back on, taped it up. Now the bone was out. He taped it back up. We did not miss that service. We did not come late. We were there. Never went to the doctor. I want to tell you, his nail's a little gnarly, but the finger moves, does it not? He's ambulatory, feeling in the tip of the finger, and the finger was off because he had it in his hand. It was put on. My mom got sick, couldn't even look at it. That's the magnitude of God because he was faithful in what God had called him to do. It wasn't about his finger. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about, oh, he's going to go preach for 5,000 people. It was because he needed to be faithful to what God had called him to do, his job, his work, his creativity. God had put that in him just like God has put this, these things in you. So Matthew 25, I want you to turn to this. Matthew 25 and 21. Verse 21, it's about the parable, and it states, and it's so important that God's word states it twice. In that same chapter, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many. I'm going to read this again. 25, 23, Matthew his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. And it's so important that it's repeated twice. That was such a pertinent verse in my life. To put it into practical application, that if you can be faithful in those small God things, God will reward you in the large. I was the usher of the flusher in my house growing up. Of all boys, that means you clean the toilet. See, I had to equivocate it to royalty in some way. The usher, the flusher, my scepter, the toilet cleaner. Okay. So anyway, that was my job. And let me tell you, I told my brothers, make sure you hit the toilet. I'm cleaning it. We had one little bathroom. But you know what? I want to tell you, my first job, I was 12, and I cleaned houses. There was this self-satisfaction that came from seeing that that tub, and you clean it all nice, and it's all shiny and pretty, and you're done. There's this, this, you see an end result. And God wants to see an end result with you. He says, how do you expect other people want to be Christians if you're going to whine and grumble? I wouldn't want to be a Christian at your job. I, that, if I were to do a job, at this time and point, because my dad says you're never too good to do anything, and if I needed to work, that I would do, I would clean homes because I see that self-satisfaction at the end of what I've done, of, of cleaning that toilet and how pretty it looked when I was done cleaning with it and how it smelled. And, and, and there was pride within that. I was very proud of that. And, and so when I moved on to college, I remember at one point I was a triple major. And I mean, I had three separate degrees. I did it in four years. I was, had to keep a 3-8 to keep my scholarships. Dad didn't have $10 to give me. I was on huge scholarships. And that meant if you're in music and art, you had to do everything within that body of work. I had to be at every choral thing. I had to sing at everything. I had to play for everybody. If I was an artist in the art, I had to do all the artwork. Um, series of paintings every quarter were due. So you'd stay up all night. I was so stressed. It was my senior year. And to top it all off, I was a, uh, did work study. And I was the dorm room. We had a room mother, and there were just two dorm RAs. It was myself and another girl. Well, RA happened to be, our, our dorm mother happened to be a lesbian. And she would come into my room when I was taking a bath. She would come right in there, no matter what. I had no privacy. I thought I was going to go crazy, and then she started writing sick notes to the school, well, the things she was going to do. And I called my mom and dad, and I said, please, it was my last semester, my senior year, and all I did was work, 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 because nobody, I didn't have anything to ask anybody for money. And so I called home, and I said, please let me come home. Just let me quit. 
please let me quit. I'm so tired. I'll, I'll just go back. Please let me quit. And, and my dad's on the phone with me, and I hear my mom go, give me that phone. <laughs> so she takes the phone, and she said, if I let you quit, you will blame me for the rest of your life. You'll blame your mom and dad. Not only will you blame your mom and dad, but you won't have the satisfaction that your dad didn't get money, didn't get you there, that God helped you get there. Nobody but the Lord and your hard work and your perseverance got you there with the help of the Lord. So guess what? I didn't come home, and I finished. <laughs> and, and the point of this is, is that God wants us to be faithful. God wants us to be faithful, hardworking servants. Henry, where's Henry, Brother Henry? Henry, you were a Marine, am I right? He's a Midwestern boy, so I can holler at him. After Marine, you taught school, am I right? Now. Are you, a, are you a carpenter? Do you build wonderful desks for schools? Is your name associated with what you do? Are you going to send out any junky work? Why? That's right, because your name is also tied to it, is it not? Henry's name is tied to these pieces that he makes with his creativity. God has given him a lot of talents and abilities. But his name, like the Lord, is tied to your name. The Lord is tied to your creativity. And he asks you, be creative. Be who I made you to be. Even if it's the worst job in the world, do it all to the glory of God. Because that's what it's about. It's not about yourselves. And there's such great satisfaction in this. So I want to read you these last verses. First Thessalonians, there's three. First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 4. And then I'm going to give you some creative ideas, and we'll end with that, with how to work creatively. Because God has made us extremely creative beings. First Thessalonians 4. 11, and I would love if you would look these up with me. Study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Oh, I used to love to yell that verse at my brothers. Get out of my room. I didn't have a room. I had a cot, and they were on the other side. <laughs> Study to be quiet and do your own business. Mom, stop making them stop. Um, but, wow, that's a, that's a powerful verse. Study to be quiet and to do your own business. Don't be doing Evelyn's business. God has called Evelyn for something specific. I don't need to be doing her business. Now, I can help her, but she's called to do that. I don't need to be doing Chris's business. Chris has called him as here as our senior pastor. I don't need to be doing his business. God has called him. Study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 13. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away, oh, I don't like these verses, from every brother who is idle and does not live according, I didn't even know they existed, to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you. Now, they're speaking to that, that I know one th reason that God really blessed my parents' household is because my dad never asked. He would work another job. And people would say, oh, my Lord, I know Reverend Tomko. What? They don't have food at Thanksgiving? I've never heard him say that. I'm going to take him a meal at Thanksgiving. And I said, praise the Lord, because we always had tuna. <laughs> yeah, turkey. We would tease my mom and say, you're shaping it a turkey? <laughs> and they were surprised it's tuna turkey. <laughs> so... We were not idle when we were. This is Paul saying this. This is the disciples. Nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model. God made us creative. And they moved from place to place, so they had to be creative the next place they went. For you to follow. For even when we were with you, 
you gave, we gave you this role. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busybodies, such people we command to urge the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. Oh, we get tired of that. I got, you know, sometimes I'd say, oh, man, I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like, mm, I want to. We all have choices, don't we? We all choose to comb our hair, brush our teeth, get dressed, lay around, go to work. We all have choices. God gave us choices, free will. This is all under our grace. And so we choose to be creative and have to think about it or choose not to. Those who were idle were people who were loafing and willing to work. They were taking advantage of the church's generosity and receiving support from brothers and sisters who made a living by ordinary occupations. Paul says that such people must be disciplined by keeping away from them. Oh, I do not like that. I thought he might say, well, just kind of be nice to them. But these are people that don't want to work. And we have a group of people that want to work and please the Lord. And God is going to honor and God is going to bless that. And it's not... Blessing it when you die, God's going to reward and bless that too. But God says, I am asking you to be faithful. And this is one verse that is so strong and powerful because God says, if I have said to you, it says that he will, um, the ones that don't know, that he won't beat. And those are exact words. I'm, I'm going to find this for you because this is such an important, important verse. Um, that, let me find that, that to much, it's concerning the verse, to much is given, much is required. And so if you don't know that God is saying that, then he's not requiring us to require that much from you. But guess what? Today you heard the word and you're going to know. And so God is requiring so much from you because he has given you so much. He has given you so, I look out at you and I think, oh, you know, the love, the beauty, the create. We have such a diverse people here. God has given you so much, so much. And we need to be accountable for that because much is given, much is required. So they were talking about people that were able-bodied who refused to work for a steady living. And we're talking people that refused. Now, Christians must not be loafers, but must work hard in order to provide for themselves and their families to have enough to help others in need. So it does say, yes, when someone is can't make ends meet, and they're working hard, and they're doing all that they know to do, yes, we're to help them. But if they're not, we're to say, hey, I'm going to help you get a job. <laughs> get a job. Now. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work wholeheartedly. As for the Lord, not for men. Luke 1.3, For nothing is impossible with God. And I want to give you these verses because they are empowerment. And I want to give you a list of creative ideas of things that you can do. Think, you know what? There's, there's so probably so much more things on this list than I could even begin to match or begin to do uh, or to say. So, I'm just going to give you a few creative ideas. You can do pet sitting, dog walking, and just think you can exercise at the same time. Woohoo! Taking care of small children. You can say, you know what? I know a mother that works. I'll charge this much. Not a daycare, just taking care. Mural painting, if you have a talent in that. Teaching. How about teaching in our class? How about knitting? How about crocheting? I know that Emma taught wonderful classes, Emma's boys still taught wonderful classes on knitting and crocheting um, that my girls still use today. But these are things that you could actually teach. You could put a little listing in the paper. You could do it on what, what's the eBay? You could say, for hire, I mean, I'd be careful who you got to hire you on that one. But, but uh, there are so many things we could do. Sewing, music, you could teach music, cooking specialties. You know what? I love Mexican food. How many of you know how to make a chimichanga? I don't know. I'm probably saying it wrong. A chalupa. <laughs> Man, people would pay to learn, to come to your house and learn to make those specific things because it's good and people want to do those. People want to learn. 
All right, another thing is tutoring. You could tutor in your neighborhood. Do you know the amount of money you could make tutoring? Tutoring in, let's say you're graded English. We're not even teaching a grade school person math, language, English to foreigners. Let's say you speak their language. You could take them into your home and say, I want to teach you English, okay? Teach you immigrants or reading or how about finances? There are so many things independently that you can do creatively. House sitting. People will pay for you to watch their house. Selling homemade goodies, things that you make. If you're a great baker, I knew this elderly woman that made the best angel food cake. People paid for her angel food cake. Yard care, landscaping, swimming lessons. Let's say you're a great swimmer. Adult hospice, where somebody, did, they don't want a nurse. They want someone to come in and they want to pay someone to just sit with an elderly person to care for them. Elderly care. Running errands for people that can't. A nanny. So many people want nanny work maybe just while they're at work and then they come home and they do it. They're, that they're seeking people to do this. Then they want a nanny that can cook a great meal for them when they come home and they can have a meal. Healthy cooking in people's homes. There are so many people that have two people incomes. They work. They, I'm thinking, who hires for somebody to cook for them? That's great. But they do. People do. Cleaning gutters, handyman repairs, shoveling snow, minor car repair, auto body repair, waxing, car washing, building, repairing furniture, reupholstering, selling, I, had, I asked my kids, got any ideas? Selling items on eBay. <laughs> Can you tell I didn't think of anything to compare um, with, to do with a computer? <laughs> And, and one of my last thoughts is that as creative beings who God made us to be, I ask you and I challenge you to be so good at your job. I want you to be so good at your job that you don't even have to pass the word. You don't even have to publicize. Because people say, this person is a man or a woman of integrity. And I want to use them again and again and again. And I will refer them. Because you know what? You're walking in the light of God. You're walking in God's creativity. I want to tell you very quickly a story. When I was 16, short, here, let's, let's, let's have reality here. My mom didn't want to get me Perry Hills because I walk like an ox. She's afraid I would hurt myself. So there was this modeling, modeling and talent competition that was for Iowa, Illinois, and Missouri. And it was a national one, and, and you went to New York if you won. So I'm thinking, I'm going to do this. I am going to do this. Not because I thought I was so great, but I just wanted to do it. I know I wasn't tall enough, and I wasn't thin enough, and I loved the modeling agency was like, well, Janie, she's a big, tall Texan. Well, Janie, your face is too fat. You'll never be a model. Your face is too fat. And it was. But then my mom would say, well, you'll look younger longer <laughs> if you have that round face. So, <laughs> with that being said, I decided to enter this. And so I entered it, and we competed in. And there were about 500 girls I competed against, and they were all 5'8 and above. And they all weighed 105, maybe 98 pounds. Mama don't weigh no 98 pounds. <laughs> but we also competed in a talent end. And every time I did something, you know, I thought about God saying, be faithful in a small. So I decided to sing an Andre Crouch song. I've got confidence. So fast forward, I win this competition, which I cannot believe. I win the whole thing. Wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. It gets better than that. I've never been on a plane before. And, and, and we were going to go live in the Waldorf Astoria to commit. There was Carol Alt. There, were, there was um, Christy Brinkley. These were all before anybody was anybody. We were all competing at the same thing. So these girls that had all this money, I won the trip. I paid my way. I got the trip for free. All these girls that had all this money that were tall and thin, they entered the same, con they paid their way to go. So 
I'm isolated. I'm away from my family. I'm away from godly people. And this whole time I hear every competition I did, Janie, your face is too fat. They'll never ask you. I'm telling you, they're going to ask Susie over there, the girl that came with us that was not a very nice person, but she was pretty. But constantly, constantly putting me down, putting me down, putting me down. I cried every night. I cried every night. I cried every night. And God said, be faithful in the small. That's all I've ever asked you to do. Be faithful in the small. It doesn't matter about that. I asked you to do those things that nobody ever knew. That's all I asked you to do. So when I sat down and I went to sing, I've got confidence. They were all Jewish, all Jewish um, talent scouts. There wasn't one Christian in this group. And the words are, when trouble's in my way, can't tell my night from day. When I'm tossed from side to side like a ship on a raging tide, I don't worry, I don't fret, because my God has never failed me yet. Troubles come from time to time, but that's all right. I'm not the worrying kind, because I've got confidence in my God. And so when I went to sing that, that night of the big, John Travolta was introducing all the winners, and, they, and then I... Lisa's sitting by me, the modeling director, and she's saying, Janie, your face is too fat. They're going to pick Sharon. Oh, my gosh, they're going to pick so-and-so. So all my competitive, I had to write a commercial, leading that. Everybody won for their category. Didn't win. Nobody won. Well, except for a few I didn't know. There were about 5,000 of us there. There was an overall winner. It's not because I'm so great. But God, if you're digging a ditch and you're doing it all to the glory of God, God can move you from point A to point B. And guess what? My face was fat and I was not tall, but I won overall model talent and the commercial. I did a commercial for, for um, Howard Johnson's ice cream and legs, national ones. And of course, I couldn't stay there because nobody could come with me. I mean, Dad's like, back here. You know what, though? It's not because I am who I am. Absolutely not. It's because God is who he is. And God can raise you up because he's a creative God. And I can't tell you how many people said, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But God said, I am your strong tower you run into. I'm a creative God and I made you. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you don't know him fully, if you don't know the capacity of what God wants to give you, I look out here and I say, I am humbled to stand in front of such a... I am so proud of the people right here that I know you make me want to be a better person. You make me feel ashamed of how worthless I am. Thank you, Jesus, for God. <laughs> because I look at you and I say, wow, God has given you so much. So if you don't know him this morning, or if you want to know him better, or if you want to know him in a way you've never known him before, I ask you to come forward. And, and before I do that, I want... Lisa, could you share a testimony, just a brief one? I know we've gone long, and I'm sorry about that. But I, this is such a visual that could you go into the mic and share that, Lisa? Um, when Pastor Jane had asked me to do this, I had told her I really, um, I've never done anything like this before. Um, One is when you're ever asked to do something that's for the Lord, be prepared because Satan is always right there. He has been so strong in our house this week. You have no idea. I mean, I could spend an hour telling you, but it's not. Um, I've been restless since Tuesday. I really haven't slept at all. And I don't know if it's um, I've been praying a lot with you, sister. And then uh, some things happened with one of my sons, Shane, and it really shocked my world because we've lost one son, and what happened could have been such a grave experience, but instead it was just money, 
it was just money. Yeah. And um, we realized it really put a lot of things in perspective for us in our house. You know, my son realized that he can't just quit his job because he's got $3,000 in his bank account because um, it might not be there tomorrow. And um, we've learned that it is just money and we need to do things differently and be more prepared for things. But um, when I didn't, Jane and I met one day on Tuesday and had a wonderful lunch. She didn't share with me at all her sermon. I didn't know what the music was going to be. So just so you have a little insight, I really didn't want to know. I wanted it really to be Lord felt. So the beginning of it, was just the excitement of the music and how it was drawing me in. But then, um, if you saw the leaves growing, it made me feel like how when we're up there high on the Lord and we're excited, that jungle starts to pull around us and it starts pulling us in and we gotta keep looking up, keep looking up. So that's why the ray of the yellow is coming through to remind us to at first, I put my hands on the canvas, and the canvas, it was me telling the Lord that I'm raising my hands to him, and that um, the lamb represents us, that he puts us in a cushy place, but we have to look up to him. He's always, we're always in that place with him, but we have to look up. Then, as I put my hands on the canvas, it was a reminder that we're that lamb because he shed his blood, so then that's why I started making the hands red. And then the nails through the hands are to represent the blood that has been shed for us. And never to forget that. That it brings us out of the darkness because of that blood being shed. And if that blood was never shed, we'd all still be walking in darkness. Amen. And so I challenge you. Amen. Amen. Yes, we have a creative God. And so I challenge you this morning to use that creativity that God's placed in you whether it's oratory or whether it's praying or whether it's lifting weights, use it all to the glory of God and he will supply all your needs. And I believe that and God's word is truth. So I'd love our altar ministers to come forward, pray with anyone that needs to know the Lord. And then I want to give you a benediction. I would love this beautiful church body to stand up with me. And enjoy a wonderful rainy. I'm glad it's cool though. Woo! I don't like to sweat. But I want you to enjoy this beautiful day that God has made. One of my favorite days growing up was rainy days. Because you'd hear the rain on the roof and sparkled. It sparkled like glitter in the sun or in the clouds, through the clouds. So if you don't know Jesus, I ask you to come forward and we'll be so happy to pray with you. Or if you just want more of the Lord. Please bow your heads. In the mighty name of Jesus, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for equipping us with things we don't even know that you're equipping us with, that you're making us able bodied, and you are making creative beings because we are made in your image, and God doesn't make junk. I love that. Thank you, Jesus. And so go in the name of the Lord and enjoy your week and enjoy your weeks and come back to us with full of creativity and life, look how God made you and created you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen.